Thank you for joining us on the Overcoming Monday podcast, where we provide you little secrets for your big breakthrough. This podcast is designed to enhance your emotional and spiritual health. Our mission is to help you understand yourself, the people you love, and the world around you so that you can win where it matters most. In each episode, we'll hear from writer, speaker, mom, and pastor's wife, Shari King, as she invites you into conversations about the issues that matter most to you. Now, let's get started. Hello, Overcoming Monday listeners. Today is going to be a super chill episode. I'm here with my husband, Clayton King. What's up, super chill? <laughs> super chill. Yep, we're doing super chill because Clayton and I literally decided to do this maybe an hour ago. Sure did. James Garcia was available and uh-huh. he invited Micah Bush, the one and only, to come to the podcast studio. And we decided while the memories were still fresh on our minds, to uh, record a podcast episode about what we just experienced, which honestly was sort of a, a once-in-a-lifetime experience for our family. Right. So we are going to be talking about our trip to Uganda today. Yeah, we've only been back for a few days, actually. Mm-hmm. And uh, matter of fact, you have not even fully unload, unloaded your unpacked your suitcase. I've unpacked it. It's still just sitting there. Yeah. Yep. So it took me a little bit to unpack this time. I'm usually a pretty good packer and unpacker, but the longer we live and the more we travel, I'm getting lazy. So Uganda. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. First of all, it's called the Pearl of Africa. Yes. And uh, just FYI, um, Winston Churchill named Uganda the Pearl of Africa. It's a country. You know, I didn't realize, a lot of people don't realize this. Africa is a continent, mm-hmm. and there are countries, dozens of countries in Africa. Mm-hmm. Uganda is is sort of east coast of Africa, uh, but it's central. It's landlocked. It's bordered by Tanzania and Kenya and, uh, I believe, Ethiopia. And we were in Kampala. And mm-hmm. This was our second trip, right? Yes, and in case you don't know this... Basically, it's an equatorial country. So it's summer all year long. Yes. And so while you're not in the Caribbean, you're experiencing Caribbean weather. Yeah. And bugs, mosquitoes. Mm -hmm. But uh, wow, what a trip. Mm -hmm. Uh, We were able to take our boys, Jacob, who is 17, Jojo, who is 14, were able to accompany us. And we just saw, we saw some things that, that kind of defy our experiences, not not defy in the sense that they go against, but maybe I should say reorient us toward what God is doing worldwide. Right. So the purpose of this invitation for Clayton and I to go was specifically to be there for New Year's Eve mm-hmm. and to preach at this event that is known as the Passover celebration. Yeah. And it's put on by Dr. Um, Joseph Sawada uh-huh. and his wife, Frida Sawada. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's the pastor of a church there in Kampala called Victory, mm-hmm. uh, Victory Church. I believe it might be Victory Outreach, but it's Victory Church. And um, the Passover celebration has been going on for 18 years. This mm-hmm. was the 18th year. And here are just some things that, that are sort of amazing. We didn't uh, know many of these facts until after the event was over. First of all, it is as far as we know. We Now, I've not checked this. I've not researched this. But as far as we know, it's the largest Christian gathering on planet Earth on New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. And there were how many people in the stadium? 120 to 30,000. Yeah. yeah. They, they estimated uh, low end 120,000, high end 130,000 people. Mm-hmm. And two years ago when we went for the first time, we didn't actually believe it when they invited us to go. 
But then they sent us pictures, and then we arrived, and we saw, wow, this is legitimate. Mm -hmm. There really are 130,000 people. It's in Nelson Mandela Stadium in a place called Nambuli. And um, Shari, you were invited to speak this year. Mm -hmm. And then tell, (laughs) tell us what you found out after you spoke. Right. So it's a little bit of a long story, but the short of what you're asking me is I was invited to speak. Um, Eric Newberry is a good friend of ours, and he has a church, and he also has a heart for missions. But he and he's an American. He's an American, and he asked me to speak this year too because you had spoken two years ago, right. and that's why we went. And so Eric said, "Why don't you speak this year too, Shari?" And he said, "Women in Uganda are powerful. They have a great message, and they will receive you well." So I thought this was something that would was normal, Correct. you know, females yeah. speaking at an event or at a church. Well, anyway, before we came home, one of the highlights that Dr. Sirwata said to us before we left to get on the plane to come home is a female has never spoken at this event. Yeah. In 18 years, ever. you were the first woman to yes. ever speak to the entire event. Yes. And he said a lot of times the women will get up with their husbands and say a little word um, with their husband who's a pastor, and then they'll sit back down. But this is the first year that a female spoke a message on her own, and I wanted you to do it, Um, not necessarily getting up there with your husband, but to be independent of him and to give an independent message for women to give them courage and to let them feel valued. Yeah, it was powerful. It really was. And, you know, you were there with me, so we were there together. We're we're a team. We're one flesh. Um, But it was so neat to see this pastor, who is really the spiritual father in many ways of an entire nation. Mm -hmm. And and that sounds epic, but it's true. Joseph Sirwata is a giant among Mm -hmm. men and women of God in Uganda. And for him to extend an invitation as senior pastor of the church and as the the bishop of the event, Mm -hmm. uh, he's also, I believe, bishop of their denomination uh, Mm -hmm. in Uganda, for him to extend an invitation to you as a woman Mm -hmm. uh, to proclaim and preach the gospel to a stadium full of people, there were more than 130,000 people watching, they estimate that, that this is according to the uh, people that put on the event, that through Dream TV, through their Facebook page, through the, all of their internet uh, live streams, that there are somewhere around 20 million people that will watch it online or on television. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, you, you did a great job. The, yeah. the message was anointed. It really was. It was powerful. Well, and that you, was your first time preaching with an interpreter as well. Yes. Um, well, except for Bible school stuff that I'd done on mission trips. Um, but it was the first time that I had to learn how to pace a message and stop in certain places and know how much the interpreter could actually understand before they actually had to repeat what you said. Yeah. You know, so that was my first time doing that. It wasn't your first time. You've done it for a while. Yeah, I've done it many, many times. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, the other thing that blows our mind, and this is why we want to do a podcast about it now, um, is because we didn't want to lose any of these memories because our lives get busy and mm-hmm. we move on. This is a new season of your podcast. Uh, but we thought it would be great to just share some of this good news in the first episode. Not only were you able to be the first woman to ever address this crowd in 18 years But we saw, now this is according to the organizers of the event, Uh, when I preached, uh, I forget what time it was, you know, hour and a half, two hours into the event, gave a public invitation for people to be saved. Mm -hmm. And they estimated, we had them, I had them stand to their feet. There were so many people that responded to pray uh, to repent of their sins and trust Christ by raising their hands. Mm -hmm. 
I realized they're not prepared for follow-up. Mm-hmm. And so in the moment, I felt like, okay, the best thing to do is to get the ones who just prayed to receive Christ to stand up mm-hmm. and then ask believers who are close to them mm-hmm. to go to them physically, to make a personal connection with them, to hug them, to celebrate them, to to welcome them into the family of God, and then to exchange information so that they could talk about baptism and church membership and becoming a part of a church. So I invited everyone who prayed to receive Christ to stand up. And the people that organized the event said that they estimated there was over Mm 30,000 men and women and teenagers that responded to the gospel to pray, to repent of sin and to trust Christ. Right. And only God knows the results uh, we always try to be very, very careful to say responded to the gospel. Some of them maybe had been saved before, and they were trying to nail it down and, and have an assurance. But it was a simple proclamation. And it was e- even interesting, Shari, before we left, the night before we left, Dr. Sirwada, uh, the bishop of the event, the pastor of the church, he came over to our hotel and um, and shared with us how they were really sort of surprised yeah. at the number of people that were saved. Yes. And um, before we go into the break, I want to talk about uh, a lot of our experiences in detail. But one of the things that I remember he said to you was he didn't plan out what the speakers would say when they came. Mm. And he trusted the Lord with each of our messages. But what he loved about your message was he hadn't thought about doing a message that had the powerful and simple gospel where people would respond in the way that you did. And he was thankful that that's what you ended up doing. And I want you to tell kind of what was going on through your mind um, before you got up, because I know that God changed your message. But when I think of something that he said to you, that's what I remember. We'll come back from the break and we'll tell the backstory because there was a whole lot that went into (laughs) getting us to that moment. So we'll pause for a second, talk a little bit about some upcoming events here at our Crossroads World of Ministry, and uh, we'll come back and I'll tell you about my um, experience taking some uh, very high-powered pain meds right before I preached. (laughs) Crossroads Summer Camp has been providing an exceptional summer camp experience to students and their leaders since 1996. Held in Anderson, South Carolina, Crossroads aims not only to be the most fun week of the summer, but our primary goal is to create an environment for each camper to be seen, known, and have a life-changing encounter with God. We bring in dynamic speakers, including Clayton and Shari, great worship leaders, and a huge selection of activities for any teenager in your student ministry. So head to CrossroadsSummerCamp.com to learn more and register your group. See you this summer. So Clayton, we said that before the break, we were going to tell a little bit of the backstory (laughs) behind your night of preaching. Just tell us a little bit about what happened in Uganda and what you can remember. And I'll try to fill in things that you can't remember. (laughs) Uh, I'm sure. So when you call it the backstory, you realize it really is a backstory. It's a story of my back. My back (laughs) is 47 years old. No pun intended. No, no, I intend the pun. You did not. I intend it. (laughs) Um, it is a story about my 47 year old back. Now I'm in good shape and, but I played sports my whole life and have had some injuries. Long story short, um, the day before we preached the night before the event. So about 24 hours prior to us going to the Passover festival and you and I addressing 130,000 people from the stage, I, I shredded my back. In, in an injury that I've, I've hurt my back before, but never like this. Mm-hmm. And um, we were on 
planes and in airports for approximately 32 hours Mm -hmm. from the time we left Atlanta. If you count the time we left Macon, it's an additional two hours um, because I just preached at an event in Macon, Mm -hmm. Georgia with Naeem Files, one of our Crossroads speakers. And we saw God do great things there. We we drove from Macon to Atlanta. We left Atlanta. And it just takes a long time to get from the United States to Central uh, Eastern Africa. Mm-hmm. 32 hours on planes, coach class seats. When we got there, Shari, both of us were experiencing pretty tremendous uh, tightness mm-hmm. in, our, in our backs. Stiffness. Very stiff. You yeah. know, you sit in those seats your hips hurt, your back hurts, your neck hurts, your shoulders hurt. Both of our long flights were nine hours, mm-hmm. uh, and that, and then there were other short flights. We were also on the ground in um, Rwanda. Yes, we sat on the there. ground in Kigali for three and a half hours because there was a security issue. There were some people that they took off the plane and wouldn't let back on the plane. Mm-hmm. That was interesting and fun. Mm-hmm. So we decided that we would do a short workout. You, me, uh, Chuck Balsamo. No, Chuck wasn't there yet. Oh, he wasn't out there with us. But it was Eric and Nick mm-hmm. and JoJo. So we're at the at the little um, apartment we're staying at. We're outside doing a little workout, and my back was already tight, and I didn't stretch. Mm-hmm. I just went straight into the workout, and I felt something kind of pop. And then, of course, being a guy, I thought it's just my back. You downplayed it. You started stretching. I started stretching. To None try of to work us it knew out. you were seriously hurt at that point. Yep. And then, within an hour and a half, um, I am laying flat on my back in the bed, and the bed was very uncomfortable, very stiff. So I actually went and found two cushions that go on chairs, and mm-hmm. I laid the cushions down. And I tried to lay on top of those. Well, let's fast forward to the next day. I couldn't move. Uh, I couldn't get out of bed without help. You and the boys had to come and pick my feet up. I had to get help. We had to lift you up. We had to, I had to dress dress you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's the day of the event. Mm -hmm. So I literally cannot move. I started, I texted Bob Goff. A lot of you know who Bob Goff is. He's a ambassador of sorts to the president of Uganda. And I asked Bob, at 1 a.m. his time, do you know any good doctors yeah, in Kampala? Yeah, you were texting for favors. I was, I was calling you in favors. Everybody I knew, I texted uh, the president of uh, a seminary that knew some people through the International Mission Board. I texted J.D. Greer, president of the Southern Baptist Convention. But I'm going to tell you, i got to give a shout out. I hope he gets to listen to this. Will Graham is a good friend of mine, Billy Graham's grandson. Uh, their ministry of Samaritan's Purse has an office in Kampala, I texted Will, asked him for a favor. Do you know a good doctor? Mm-hmm. Within 30 seconds, someone from Samaritan's Purse was calling me mm-hmm. from Boone, North Carolina. Where are you? What do you need? I gave him um, the information. A minute later, I get a phone call from a man in Uganda. He is Ethiopian by, by birth, but he's Ugandan by um, citizenry. And he and his wife lived within walking distance of the apartment where we mm-hmm. were. And he came and picked me up, took me to a doctor. It was a British doctor. And uh, he told me that I had shredded my muscles, my mm-hmm. lower back muscles. And even before that, it was uh, really impressive. You didn't know who she was, but Frida Sarwada, Joseph's wife, yeah. shows up with a nurse. Yeah. And uh, she had already arranged for you to go see a doctor there. Yeah. And she, um, did, she did a great job putting all that together. Yeah. And you were telling me, Shari, you should just stay here, hang out with people. I'll be fine. They can just take me to the doctor. And I thought, this is so strange. 
why would he go with Dr. Joseph's wife (laughs) and Eric and me not go? So I looked at you very uh, firmly and said, no, I'm coming. So we jumped into the van and we went to this doctor and he ended up giving you an injection and um, giving you lower back therapy. And then we came back and just after we got back, you went to the other doctor. So you had seen two doctors that day. Right. One told you it was possibly a disc problem. And I might need surgery. Right. And the other one told you that it was not disc, it was muscular. So uh, I'd already told Shari at this point, I'm not preaching tonight. But I was in so much pain. I could not move. I could not get up from the bed. Laying on the bed hurt. Sitting down was excruciating. Standing up was almost impossible. And um, praise God, some good, strong pain meds. Mm -hmm. They got me there. Yep. You showed up after the doctor and I was ready to leave. We were about to go out the door to go to the stadium. Clayton shows up and he says, I'm preaching. And all I could think is, now I have to get him dressed. So we went in, got you dressed. And by the time you got into the van, you fell asleep. Because they, So the doctor gave me um, four Valium. Yeah. The British doctor, he said, take these. You'll fall asleep. Mm. It'll relax you. It'll take the pain away. And when it comes time for you to preach, just have someone wake you up and walk you to the pulpit. That's exactly what he said to me. And in reality, I do not remember anything I don't, after taking those four values. You didn't know what you were saying. I don't think you knew where you were. Now this is in the car. We're yes, talking the in van. the car. We drove there and Clayton didn't know where he was. He didn't know what he was saying. People were asking him questions and I, you know, you were pretty much out of it. I don't remember the drive to the stadium. I just remember pulling up to the stadium and someone waking me up and mm-hmm. me saying, are we here? Are we here? And then we walked into the stadium with cheering celebrating, dancing people. Yeah. And I think you started to wake up at yeah. that point. <laughs> yeah. And you, and you, and we sat down on the stage and you were supposed to speak like an hour or an hour and a half later, mm-hmm. five minutes after we sat down, they came and got you and yeah, they Eric introduced looks, you. Yep. Eric Newberry looks at me and he says, so you better be ready because they may just call you up. And when you went up to speak, I began to wake up a little bit. And then I realized I don't have my Bible. I mm-hmm. left my Bible in the room because I was so out of it. So I asked Chuck Balsamo if I could borrow his Bible. And while you were preaching, I was thinking about what I was going to preach on. And I had planned to preach from the Gospel of John. Mm-hmm. Um, John 10, 10, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I've come that you might have life, John 10. And literally about one minute before they announced me to come up to preach, I felt the Holy Spirit say Romans 10. Mm. And I flipped over to Romans chapter 10. I had not prepared anything. I've preached that passage before. I'm familiar with Romans 10, 9 and 10, Romans 10, 13. And when they announced me to speak, I was in severe pain. My brain was foggy. Mm. I felt very um, just lethargic. And, And I know that preachers can embellish and preachers can exaggerate. What I'm saying right now is no exaggeration. When they announced that I was coming to preach and they welcomed me to the stage, immediately the pain, all of it, left my back. And clarity came And I had complete clarity of mind. Yeah, because we were all... So Chuck Balsamo is a pastor. He was there with us. Um, Eric Newberry was there with us. A guy named Nick Nick Brown, Brown. he was filming. He was there with us. And then our two kids. We all looked at each other and wondered, when you stood up, if I was even going to fall Would you over. even be able to speak intelligible words? Yeah. 
And at that, we looked at each other wondering what's going to happen now. Is Clayton going to stand up and fall over? Is is he even going to be able to speak? And in that moment, when you stood up, clarity of voice, mm-hmm. clarity of mind, and no pain as you walked back and forth. Yeah, you could have just stood in the in in one place, but the stage was in the middle of a, a stadium, and so there were podiums on either side. Yeah, there were two podiums. So imagine the fifty yard line mm-hmm. of a big football stadium, and the stage was right there in the middle, fifty yard line. A podium facing one side of the stands, and another podium facing the other side. It was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It was a large stage. Mm-hmm. And I felt no pain whatsoever. I preached, probably went about 30 to 35 minutes, Mm -hmm. gave the invitation. Uh, 30,000 people respond for salvation. And as soon as I said amen to the prayer and went to walk back to my seat, I I, I limped back. I began to feel pain again. Mm -hmm. And then you sat down. But I want to say this. What I love about you is even though you were in such pain, you did exactly what God asked you to do. Um, you were obedient. When you sat back down, I could tell you were in pain, and we were still there for another what four hours? Yeah, four hours. Um, and you didn't complain. I know you were hurting. Yeah. Um, but you sat there and you even stood. Um, there were points at which you kind of danced. Yeah. <laughs> to the extent at which you could. Especially midnight when, when we struck New Year's Eve yes. and we went into the new year, which, which by the way, was the most fun New Year's celebration I've ever been a part of in my yeah. life. 130,000 people, mm-hmm. almost all of them Africans, mm-hmm. dancing, shouting, fireworks, Having music. Yes. It was like heaven. Yes. It really was. It was and beautiful. I, I just can't believe we got to be a part of that. Okay, so that's enough about my backstory, pun intended. Tell mm-hmm. us about your backstory, Shari. What was it like for you preparing your mind, your heart, mm-hmm. uh, your spirit, your soul to go into a situation you had honestly never stepped into before as a woman? Right, and and not just as a woman. I think for me it was I'm going to Uganda. This is a culture that I didn't grow up in. I wanted to be able to speak in a way that would relate to them not using illustrations that may not connect. And so I decided that I wanted to keep my message as simple as I could, um, grounded in scripture, but also giving them a principle that I feel like applies across the board to all people in all nations. And that would be, we all feel crushed in whatever way that we do sometimes by this world, like we can't succeed and that we might fail. Um, But we all need to know that God can help us overcome. And so I felt like that was a message that can speak to any culture. Um, But so I watched some documentaries, actually, on Uganda to see what them as a nation, what they have gone through over the years. And that helped me prepare my soul and my heart to the culture I was walking into, because I think it's very important to know those things so that we don't, as Americans, come in there and preach a message that has no relevance to them at all. And so that was the first thing that I did. The second thing I did is just I wrote out a script and practiced that script. Um, I prayed. And I know that sometimes it might not seem like that kind of thing is led by the Holy Spirit, but it it is. The, the Spirit was speaking to me. I wrote out the script, and I was open to Him changing that script if He needed to while I was on stage. And so the day that you were hurt, I know when I was taking you to the doctor, I was unsettled because I always like to have a time of calm and peace before I speak, but I felt like all that day was, was chaos. 
You know, we're going to the doctor, we're coming back. I don't know if you're speaking or not. I don't know if you're coming or not. That's throwing me off a little bit because I was predicting that you would be there cheering me on. And then you leave and go to the second doctor. And at that point when you left, I thought, well, Jacob and I are going to the stadium. Joseph and Clayton are hanging back. Um, So we're going. I'm going and the Lord's going to help me. But then right when we walk out the door, you show up. And you say, I'm coming. Yeah. So then I had to transition my mind into, let me get my husband ready because he can't. um, He can't put his own clothes on without hurting. So I'm going to do that. And then I'm worried about you hurting. We get on stage. I have about three seconds to breathe before someone says, you might be going up to speak. And right when someone says that, I hear my name announced. And I grab my notes. I walk up there and I remember putting my notes in front of me reading the scripture on the notes, and literally I heard the Lord say to me, Shari, you've prepared, you've prayed, now you just need to do it. Leave your notes behind. And that was the point at which you and the boys told me later, you could tell that the Lord just led that moment. And I never would have, yeah, and I never would have thought that, I I predicted that I would be standing in one place that I would be very, uh, I was afraid to feel very different than the vibe that was in that stadium, which right. was very exciting and energetic. I was scared to be the passive little mouse, yeah. you know, but it's almost like the Lord gave me this peaceful confidence that I prayed for. I specifically prayed for peaceful confidence. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Yeah. And peace flooded me and this confidence, not in myself, but in the message that the Lord had given me came over me. Mm-hmm. And I found myself just starting to preach and even walking from one side of the stage to the other in a way that I didn't predict that I would do, you know? And so um, in the same way that you felt the Lord lead you, I felt the Lord lead me. And And it's just neat how he steps in and he calms fears that you have in a moment where you need him to. Um, and I felt like that was a miracle for me. Yeah. yeah. You had confidence. It was a confidence that was firmly rooted in the Holy Spirit, not mm-hmm. in yourself. Uh, you had some great fear and trepidation going into it. Mm-hmm. And to see you step up into that moment filled with the Holy Spirit and share a, a message with the people of that nation mm-hmm. and tens of millions watching on TV and online was was beautiful. Yeah. Uh, it's one of the things for me that I'll take with me for the rest of my life. And I don't think the fear was necessarily a message or people. Like the fear didn't come from standing in front of people and preaching a message. It did come when you would tell people how many people were going to be there and how many people would be watching online. I almost didn't want to hear that because I felt like every time I heard that, it made me more fearful. Um, But I also feel like some of the fear for me was going into a culture where I didn't grow up and not wanting to offend, Mm -hmm. wanting to be clear, wanting the Lord to speak through me to a nation that I didn't know. Mm -hmm. That requires a lot of faith, I think. And so I feel like the Lord gave me the faith that I needed for that moment, and I'm so thankful for Him. Well, thanks for taking a few minutes of your day to listen to us talk about our experience, our backstory. Yes, our backstory. And I know that this may seem um, so far-fetched for you listening to what we did in Uganda or what the Lord led us to do in Uganda, speaking a message to so many people. But what I know is that we all have things that we fear 
And I believe that the Lord calls us to step beyond our comfort zone sometimes and possibly and hopefully the things that Clayton and I experienced in Uganda will give you some courage to face fears that you might be seeing in your life. Maybe it's uh, needing to overcome financially in your family or whatever mountain it is that you feel like is in front of you. I feel like the Lord is there to help you hike up that mountain and reach the top in victory. So we hope that we've given you something just to overcome this Monday and um, some little secrets for your big breakthrough. Hey, before they go, though, we need yeah. to tell them if they want to see some pictures. Yes, of, oh, that's right. If they Thanks, want to see friend. some pictures, go to Instagram, ShariKing99, S-H-A-R-I-E-K-I-N-G, 99, or Clayton King. Just search for it. It'll pop up. And we give a big shout out to Nick Brown, mm-hmm. who chronicled the whole trip. He took a lot of these pictures you'll see. Also, thank you to Eric Newberry of Open Map Missions. Yes, and I also, am Eric Newberry is his handle. I am Eric Newberry and Chuck Balsamo. Uh, they were our partners, and his wife, Emily, and, and Emily, and his son Corey were there with us as well. Mm-hmm. We had a great team, and, and uh, Jacob and Joseph, and Jacob and Joseph King. That's it. All right, hey, check those pictures out on Instagram or Facebook, and uh, pray for us. We've been invited to go back next year, and we're praying about whether or not we will. Um, and a lot of that's going to depend on my back. Pray mm-hmm. for God to heal my back in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're thankful that you chose to listen to Overcoming Monday, a production of Clayton King Ministries. This podcast happens because of you, and there are three ways that you can help us reach even more people. One, be sure to share us with your friends and follow Shari on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ShariKing99. The second way is that you can also make a tax-deductible donation to Clayton King Ministries, a 501c3 nonprofit at claytonking.com give. And third, of course, subscribe to our podcast. Get on your favorite podcast platform and hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And for more encouragement to move you forward in your faith, check out Shari's amazing blog at shariking.com. Thanks again for listening, and we hope that we've given you something to help overcome this Monday.